Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. I want to read in verses 33 through 37, just to remind you, refresh your memory. And I do want to move on to the things I want to talk to you about today. Because there is a fair bit we need to get through today. In Matthew 12, beginning in verse 33, Jesus said, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Remember again that you make the trees. Amen. You make the trees in your life. And it is up to you. If you make a bad tree, don't expect it to give good fruit. That's what he's saying. (laughs) And he's saying if you make a good tree, you can expect good fruit. Alright? And he says you will know the tree by its fruit. In other words, your life will show what kind of tree you built. You can't hide it. Amen? Okay, people try, but you can't. It says that it will produce fruit. And everybody will see the fruit. And then he goes on to say, verse 34, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, alright, this is having made bad trees, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, he's saying this is one of the ways that you know whether the fruit is good or bad. By what people say. Amen? Not just what they do, but by what they say. And he says, now he explains, verse 35, A good man out of the good treasure or deposit of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. I want you to remember that verse. Okay? He says in verse 36, But I say to you that every idol that's useless, dead, or unproductive word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Did you hear that? By your words you'll be justified. Can I put it a different way? By your words you'll either have victory, or by your words you will have defeat. Remember, a good man out of the good treasure of heart brings forth good things, an evil man, evil things. Having said that, please turn to... 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. We are going to read the whole chapter. (laughs) Okay. We're going to begin in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and were gathered together at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Ezekah in Ephesus, Damin. There's a lot of words. That place, that place, and there. Okay. Alright, verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Are you getting this? Okay, so battle array. They, Alright. Verse 3. The Philistines, the Philistines uh, these are Philistines, not Philippines. Okay, this, right. These are from the giants. Alright, the Philistines are known... To be a, a race that descended from giants. Okay, so they're huge. Alright, so it says the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Are you getting the picture? Mountain, mountain, valley. It generally happens when you have two mountains. Alright, okay. Now, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp. A good tree brings good, an evil tree brings evil. Okay, remember that. All right.
And he says, And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Everybody know that, right? Are we all measuring cubits and spans? No, we don't? Okay. He was over nine feet tall. Alright, so like about three meters up. Are you all getting this? He's huge. Verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's about 56 kilos. Alright, so this is, this is heavy duty. Verse 6. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and bronze javelin between his shoulders. So he had something back there as well. So this guy's just dressed to the teeth. There's nowhere to, to, to kill this guy. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. You know, a spear is something that's light, that you throw really far away. Do you know, you know, javelins and stuff. Okay, they try to keep it light, because then it will fly further. This thing weighed 7 kilos. Alright, and a shield bearer went before him. So they're describing a very strong person. A very big, strong person. And you know what? This is how the giants in your life come. And you need to know that they are not metaphorical. They sometimes they are just that big and that horrible. Verse 8. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Now notice he identified them as the servants of Saul. There's a problem here. Because the way this army is going to behave, they're going to be the servants of Saul. Let's keep going. Alright. So he says, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Liars. That's not going to happen. They'll defeat him. They're not, they're not going to hang around. Okay? Alright. But if... I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Listen to me. The giants in your life, whatever it is that comes against you, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a prayer life with God, if you don't have a connection with God, you will serve them. Listen to me. We'll serve somebody, like it or not. In a fallen world, you can't serve yourself. Can I say that again? In a fallen world, there is no option of serving yourself. You either serve God and receive the freedoms that come with Him, because He's a good God and He wants to bless you, and He's always looking out for your good, or you ignore Him, you push Him away, and think you're living your own life, but I tell you something, you will serve the enemy. Because the enemy will bring things into your life that you will be chasing after for the rest of your life, trying to put out those fires. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you need a minute to think about that? There is, there is no choice here. You either serve God or you serve the enemy. You, get, you serve the devil, you serve your giants. Because they'll make you serve them. They will force you. You don't have time. They will steal your time. How many times have you heard people go, I just don't have the time. When I want to do this and I want to do this, but I just don't have the time. I just don't. Do you know what? A giant is in control of your life. Amen? Are you here? You serve God and God will clear the way. He'll take down those giants. 
But then your service to God is voluntary. Your service to your giants aren't. So, he says, again, choose a man for yourselves, let him come down to me. Verse 9. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will be your servants. If you prevail against him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Listen to me. When we don't pray and we don't have God's voice in our head and in our hearts, what's left is the enemy's voice. You're never empty. You're always tuned in. You're like a little radio. You're always tuned into some station. You're always hearing something. You tune into God, which is... See, we need to redefine prayer. Prayer is... Can I put it this way? It's tuning into God, so you've got God's station going on all day. So that He's talking to you, and He's letting you know what to do, and He's telling you, go left, go right. He's kinda, he kind of works like a little navvy as well, you know? The one that never loses the GPS signal. And gets you lost, alright? Yes, there's a story behind that. Anyway, so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. He, you know, he will constantly, it says that he will lead and direct your paths. Amen. He'll lead you, he will direct your paths. All right. But I tell you, if that's not the case, what you're getting playing to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is the enemy speaking to you. Your problems, your giants talking to you. That's all you will hear. And notice what happens. You become dismayed and greatly afraid. And remember, faith cannot work in fear. They don't work together. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay. Verse 12. Now David was the son of Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, uh, in the days of Saul. I'm on verse 13 now. 1 Samuel 17, 13. The three older sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle, and it names them, alright? Verse 14, David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. So now, are you getting this? Eight kids, the three eldest ones have gone to follow Saul, alright? The youngest one, David, stays at home, alright? And it says here about David, verse 15 again, occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So that's what his job was. He was a shepherd. Alright, verse 16, And the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Twice a day. Your giants are persistent. You know, when, when you are troubled by something, it will stay with you. It will taunt you day and night. We know we say we don't have time to pray. Do you know, you are listening to something constantly. Why not it be God and be encouraging rather than the devil and depressing? Why not allow it to bring life to you rather than take it away from you. Verse 17, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Verse 18, And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Verse 19, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So, there is a fight going on here, but there's this challenge happening twice a day. They're saying, listen, we can fight, or you can just come, one of you can come and challenge me. And we can settle this. Mono e mono. <laughs> okay? Saul is not a small person, by the way. 
When we see the description of Saul, he's quite big himself. So it wouldn't have been like, you know, Saul's down here and, you know, Goliath is up there. Saul would have held his own up against Goliath. But you know what? Sometimes we just get to the place where we're comfortable and we're just happy and, you know, a giant comes and we're not being praying and we're not being doing all the things that we need to be doing and should be doing. And suddenly a giant turns up. And what's the first thing we do? Where's the pastor's number? <laughs> okay, all right, no, no. Which is fine, okay? I've asked you to text me and call me and whatever. But you, you need to understand, man. You need to have a relationship with God yourself. It's better if I'm agreeing with you rather than praying for you and for your situation and saying, oh, please, God, don't let them fall apart. <laughs> okay? While you take care of the giant. Amen. All right? All right. Verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper. Now notice, he left the sheep with the keeper. He wasn't, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't careless with the sheep. Okay? He has been asked to do something, so he went and found someone to look after the sheep. He's responsible. Alright? And it says here, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him, his father. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines has drawn up in, uh, in battle array army against army. Verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then he talked with them. Uh, there, there was a champion. No, excuse me. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. So this is the first time David's hearing the challenge. The first time he's hearing Goliath. Verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now these guys are panicking afraid. Okay? Alright. This is when you say, don't wet yourself. You know what I'm saying? They're that scared. Are you all with me? Okay. Alright, okay. Verse 25. It says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. You know, it just works for that. No more paying tax. Okay, so he's, he's going to get a tax break. He's going to get married. And he's going to get a place to live. This is the kind of good deal. And, and, and money in the bank. Okay? Verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Watch what he says next. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of Saul? Notice what he says. He says that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now there is the difference. Okay? This is what this boy is seeing. He sees himself as God's servant. We can't serve you because we're already serving someone. But was that true for everyone? I think that's why sometimes we as Christians get a little bit puzzled by other Christians who may not be as committed as you are. And they have all these problems and all these worries and all these woes and you're going, 
is there not a God in your life? Do you understand? He said, what are you serving? Why are you allowing these things in your life? And we're puzzled and we're thinking, did you pray about it? You almost want to ask. Because it's almost insulting. He says, yeah, of course I prayed about it. And you think, yeah, but where is the fruit? Are you sure you're praying about it? (laughs) You're just freaking out. Sometimes people freak out in prayer. They're not really praying. They're just freaking out for an hour. And then they wonder why nothing happens. Let's keep going. This is getting too close to home. All right. (laughs) I want you to get something out of this today. I don't want you to get condemned. I want you to locate yourself. And I I want you to ask yourself, okay, this is how I deal with the giants in my life. First identify what those giants are. And then tune into God's station. Tune into God. Keep the prayer line up. Pray because you prefer to hear His voice throughout the day than the problem. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because the Bible says, casting all your care upon Him. He doesn't say, cast the big ones and then carry the little ones all day. Are you here? If you cast all your care upon Him, then all your care is off of you. That doesn't mean you're irresponsible. You're just carefree. You don't have the weight of the care on you. Do you know the difference? When you cast your care on God, you allow God to take it, but you are always in tune, you're always listening to Him to see what He has to say. Do I need to pray something? He might say, okay, I need you to pray this now. So you start praying. That's what I mean by you don't become irresponsible, because some people, they'll just turn their back on it, and it like it doesn't exist until it comes and bites them. And then they say, oh, this stuff doesn't work. No, you got it wrong. You need to cast your care on God, but always keep an ear out for Him. You are looking to Him, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Do you understand? You, you keep your eyes on someone. It's not that you, you, you close your eyes and you bury your head in the sand. Are you all with me? All you have done is taken your eyes off the problem and put it on God. You are still paying attention, except now you're paying attention in the right direction. Did you get that? Amen? You're not looking at the problem, you're just looking at God now. And you're waiting for Him. He's looking at the problem. And you're waiting for Him to tell you when you need to do something. And if you don't need to do something, you're good. Amen? Don't pray just in case. Pray when you're led to pray, when you're dealing with the problem. Are you all following? Okay, all right. Let's continue. All right, so he says here, verse 26 again, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, he's going, shut up. You know, you're just a little sheep herder with a few little sheep. We're out here doing battle. What do you know about anything? Okay, all right. And he says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, no, he hasn't even asked him why he was down there. He has assumed this is why he came. He didn't give him a chance to say, dad sent me. I brought supplies, and he wants to know how you guys are doing. But before he could say all of that, we have an attitude here. Hello. (laughs) Okay? All right. 
And he says, I know the pri- your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? He's like, what, what is up with you? Okay. Is that not a cause? Okay. <laughs> David's like, who? Go- <laughs> I want to say something that's inappropriate, so I won't say it. All right. <laughs> Verse 30. You'll have to just read that from me. Alright, verse 30. (laughs) Then he turned from him toward another. Let me just take a minute on that. Be careful who you talk to. Because sometimes you think family will support you. Sometimes you think family is the place to go. Sometimes it's the worst place to go. Remember Jesus? Parent and his... Uh, brothers and sisters outside calling him, saying, bring him out here. Jesus says, who are my brothers? Who's my sisters? Who's my mother? Those that serve God. He says, I'm where my family is. Amen. David has come to a place where he's not finding any information from his own brothers. It's interesting, he says, then he turned from him toward another. And said the same thing. And these people answered him, as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. So finally it got to the king. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him? For you are a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. So he's saying, Man, this guy has a lot of years on you. A lot of experience. Verse 34. And David said to Saul, these are the professionals by the way. You can't believe for that. You can't do that. Do you understand the problem? Here, let me define it for you. Some days, best not to know. Amen. It just wrecks your faith. Alright. So, David said to Saul, I'm in verse 34. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. He didn't go, oh, well, lost another one. <laughs> you know, so you win a few, lose a few, there goes another one. No. He ran after the... Who runs after a lion? You normally run away from the lion. You usually throw a sheep at the lion so you can get away. I'm just saying. Same thing, go for a bear. Here, take the sheep. <laughs> okay, I can get some more. <laughs> Are you here? This man has principles. It's like, no, these are not my sheep. These are my dead sheep. I don't care if you're a lion or a bear. You touch one of my dead sheep, you're going to feel the wrath of God all over you. So, he has got this mentality. It's something that you develop. It's not something that you wake up with one day. I wonder how many of his brothers, when they were doing sheep duty, ran after the lion or the bear. Or they they just bring a report home to say, I'm so sorry dad, but there was a lion, there was a bear, we lost another three sheep. And the father would go, yeah, much rather the sheep than you. And funny, when David looked after him, uh, they're all alive. And I'm sure David didn't come and say, well, for the lion and the bear today. Sure, the brothers go, yeah, pfft, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, whatever. He's been smoking stuff out there again, Dad. Anyway, back to, <laughs> back to this, alright? And he says, and struck it and delivered, watch this, delivered the lamb from its mouth. I mean, 
Have you tried to take a bone away from a dog? Forget lions and bears. I mean, just a dog. I mean, it could be a little mousy little dog. But you try to take it out. Woo! You are, you are setting yourself to get bit and growled and foamed and spat on. You know, when they got it in the mouth, they taste it, man. It's just like, it's mine now. So to take a sheep out of the mouth of a lion or a bear, I tell you, you have to beat on it. And he says, and when it, it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Verse 36. Now, here it is. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Didn't say your army, Saul. That's right. Absolutely. See, his eyes are still on God. He prayed that morning. Amen. Verse 37. More of David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See Saul going, whoa, this kid's good, man. <laughs> he, he had his Wheaties this morning. Go for it, kid. Now, that's, that, you know, I mean, Saul is handing over the entire kingdom into the hands of this kid. Remember Goliath's uh, challenge. If I defeat your champion... Then all of you serve us. Not just the kid. Everybody serves. So for David to have said this, must have really impressed Saul. He must have been listening. Remember Saul was a godly man. Remember that? Remember Samuel was the one that okay, anointed him. Alright? So he must have recognized God in what David was saying. And probably thought, I was like that once. This kid still got it. I'm sure Saul was sitting there thinking to himself, what happened? What happened to me? Why am I not this way? Alright. So, verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. So he also clothed him with his coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Don't fight in somebody else's armor. You fight the way you fight. You know, some people say, Oh, now brother, you should do this, and you should do that, and you should... No, that's their armor. Be careful the advice you give people as well. Don't try to put your armor on them. Well, this is how I do it. Yes, that's how you do it. I'm not wired like you. I need to do it the way I do it. Amen? And so it says... <laughs> then he took off his, his staff in his hand and he chose for him. Now watch what he does instead. Now this is what he knows. He chose for him five smooth stones from the brook. Goliath has four brothers. I used to always think that David took four just in case he missed the first. If he missed, he's dead. Do you understand? Goliath swinging a sword. He has one opportunity at this. And put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. That's his five stones. And his sling was in his hand. That's all he's going at him with now. And he drew near to the Philistine. Verse 47. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. So the Philistine and a man is coming at him. Alright. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David. He disdained him. He's like, you gotta be kidding. What is this? <laughs> he's really insulted. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. Well, at least he was good looking. Alright, so, <laughs> verse 43. So, the Philistine said to David, watch this, he goes, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Ooh, bad mistake. 
Your giants will always, they won't bless God, they'll always curse Him. They'll always say, this is God's fault. You're in this because of God, and blah, 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 blah. Whenever you hear that, that's your giant cursing God. Verse 44. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He says, Now listen, dude, you didn't defy Israel, you have defied God. These are his armies, and you are defying him at the end of the day. And now watch, here is his confession. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. His brother's confession was, we can't do this. Bad trees. That's their fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He didn't retaliate because his tree can't produce that fruit. His fruit is, I'm here on behalf of God. Now, this is not helping. Let's go find what we can do. Now, that same attitude is running towards Goliath. Goliath has said his bit. David is saying his part now. He's saying, this is my confession. The enemy will always announce how he's going to take you down. Don't sit there, listen and cower. It's time you announce to the enemy, this is how I'm going to take you down. You tell me these things, I'm telling you this in reply. To all your threats, this is what I'm saying. Because your problems will threaten you day and night. You need to say something. Don't just think it, you need to say something. Uh, Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you, watch this, he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you, see this is confession, and take your head from you. With what? He's got a sling and a stone. How is he going to take Goliath's head? Can I just say this to you? You make your confession. God will equip you with whatever you need to do what you said. Do you hear me? You might not have it right then. You speak the end result. Alright. And he says, And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the bird of the air. Not just you, Goliath. The whole camp. To the bird of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Can I just say it in our terms? That the professional community and everybody that said this can't be done will know that there's a God in my life. Absolutely. Amen. Alright, I mean with all their degrees, let's see. <laughs> okay, alright. Verse 47, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. See where his focus is. He's saying, God, this is your battle. I'm your servant, but it's your battle. And he will give you into our hands. Notice he's not even thinking about defeat. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. And David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. You know, David isn't walking. He is running. Don't back away from your giants. You run towards them. You have nothing to protect you when you're running away. You can fight front on. It's very hard to fight behind. Okay. There's no armor back there. All right. Verse 49, Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He's running, remember, he's running now. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So his velocity, added to the velocity of the stone. <laughs> a kid's smart, man. He knows he need, if he can get some speed, whatever he gives this stone, it's going to be his speed plus the rock. That's what's coming at him. Again, if you're running away, your rock doesn't have the speed that it needs. Are you getting this? 
to have the maximum force, you need to be running at your enemy. And then fling it out there. Okay. And it says, so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. The guy's dead, alright? So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Remember his confession, I'm going to cut your head off, right? Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out, its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. What happened to will serve you? <laughs> Lying dogs. Okay, verse 52. Now when the men of Israel and Judah arose and... Ch- now they're getting all excited. You know why the Philistines ran? Their champion was a giant over nine feet tall. And to them, Israel has sent a kid as their champion. Israel has basically said... In the, what they're seeing is this. This is not what's really happening. Okay, what's really happening is they're all freaking out. But what these people are seeing is that Israel is saying, we don't even need a man to come and take care of you. We're going to send you one of our kids. And he's going to take your champion down. Then all the rest of us are going to come and take you all out. Is what they're seeing. So you need to see this from the other side. Do you get this? Don't underestimate the message you send when you stand up and you fight. You bring hope to other people as well. They say, well, if you can do it, then we can do this too. Amen? Sometimes you need to fight a battle and win just for the sake of others, not just for yourself. All right. And pursued, and so the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to that place, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Okay, so they're just running and falling dead. Alright, verse 53. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine, brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Then David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Notice, he, he hadn't finished. All right? Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. He still got his head. That's right. He took that head out as a trophy. He goes, and, it, and as soon as the Philistine came, he goes, ta-da! Ah! I mean, wouldn't that freak you out and put you off a little bit? Guy's got a head in his hand fighting you? And blood's going everywhere? And that's your champion? It's very demoralizing. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. You know. Okay. <laughs> and then as David returned from the sword of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I'm the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. That's what Bethlehem means. Okay, all right. Wow. Where did Jesus come from? The city of David. Interesting, isn't it? You need to have a confession. There will always be giants in your life. Either you're hiding in the hills and allowing it to dictate how your life is going to be, or you are letting death and life are in the power of your tongue. You start speaking and you start to call the end result. Doesn't matter, you don't have a sword in your hand. If the giant's head has to come off, it will come off. When the time is right, you will have a sword in your hand. You will have access to whatever it is you need to overcome your problem. 
but not while you say that you can't. God can't agree with can'ts. Because you're doomed if He ever did. Amen? You need to say, I can. I will. And God, you will be there. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.